My name is Ken Davis, and you need to know this ahead of time. I'm a 13-year-old boy trapped in a 71-year-old body. That is Ken Davis, who we're going to hear more from in a moment. But first, welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. I am Wayne Rice, Conference Director for the Legacy Coalition, and I'm joined by our Legacy Coalition founder and CEO, Larry Fowler, and also by John Colomb, who is the Director of Development for the Legacy Coalition. Hi, guys. Hi, Wayne. We're just getting ready to listen to Ken Davis, you know, and Ken is going to be one of our speakers at our upcoming 2021 Legacy Grandparenting Summit. And I'm excited to have him back. He's an old friend, and he's not only a great speaker, but he makes you laugh. He's a gifted stand-up comic. In fact, um, I know he has performed at uh, comedy clubs around around the country. Uh, although he doesn't do comedy just for comedy's sake, he he always uses it as a way to communicate a bigger uh, message. Uh, comedy is is something that uh, I've always wished. I could do, but I've never been very good at it. <laughs> How about you? Not, not me either. <laughs> yeah, I always admire those guys that whose their minds just work that way and can bring it in. So, well, yeah. and I think there's there's some kind of deficiency in the brain too, because I have been <laughs> I have been known to uh, have been accused of. Have you taken your medicine yet? <laughs> um, well, John, you know how to work a little comedy in. You can do that. So. Well, and usually it's right out of real life. You know, it's not so much telling jokes. It's just looking at life from a whole different point of view. Uh, you know, I had a friend who said, you know, life is so serious that if you take it too seriously, it'll kill you. And I've thought about that as it relates even to ministry. Ministry is such serious business that if you take it too seriously, it will kill you. And <laughs> so laughter and, and tears are really closely knit, I think. Well, I've, I've always wanted to be able to do it. You know, I've never, I, I have some friends, you know, who in youth ministry or who are pastors who actually went to comedy school as a way to help them become better communicators. I've thought about that, you know, because I, I know how hard it is. I mean, I just, uh, if I'm trying to do, I, I can't even imagine how tough it would be to stand up in front of a crowd and try to keep them laughing uh, for any period of time. I'd just break into a flop sweat and it would be all over. John, I think you're pretty good. You know, one of the things about comedy is I think part of it is in your appearance, you know, I think a lot of comedians just mm-hmm. kind of look funny. <laughs> well, and, thank you. And they, and they sound funny. Well, you know? well, now, wait, all three of us look funny. Me, so. I just I just look boring, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Gonna, but, John, you've got, you've got you know, you kind of think, this guy, you know, I like him. Uh, he's kind of a Jack Benny sort of style. <laughs> you know, deadpan humor. That's not you know, what you mom and dad time. said. <laughs> <laughs> So, Larry, do you uh, ever try to tell jokes in any of your talks or anything? Well, not really jokes. Um, I have some funny stories that I'll stick in that are kind of true to life, just funny stories. I, I know that, you know, when preachers get trained, they're often encouraged to find a joke to start their sermons with. And, you know, most of us grew up with that kind of a sermon. Um, but... Uh, but no, I don't really have jokes that I stick in. I probably should. That'd probably be a good thing. Well, I'll tell you, though. It... I actually have a really funny non-joke story. 
Um, <laughs> I, I had the opportunity to, to help start children's ministry over in, in Ukraine in the early 90s. And I was there as a part of a team of four. And we were in this church on Sunday. And there was another group of Americans in the church at the same time. And one of the pastors was supposed to preach. And we had been told, don't you tell jokes in your Ukrainian churches, <laughs> because they think, I mean, they're kind of like Ken is going to talk about here. They think church is supposed to be really serious and reverent. And this guy starts telling a joke, Wayne. <laughs> and you could see the blood just drain out of the, the uh, out of the translator's face. You know, you could just see it drain out. And, and he didn't know what to do. Well, fortunately, it was a joke that didn't translate. So the, the pastor got done with the joke and nobody laughed and he didn't know what to do. And the audience just kind of sat there kind of dead. <laughs> so but at least it didn't get him in trouble. Yeah. You know, I Wayne, I think of uh, Jesus. We always have him in a serious pose. I've got a painting in my office of Jesus laughing like a belly laugh. And some people might seem that think that's irreverent. But if children were attracted to Jesus so much that the disciples got ticked and said, hey, kids, get out of here. This is adult stuff. I mean, for Jesus to say, no, 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 no. This is what the kingdom of I, you know, they were attracted to him and there he had to be fun. And, uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling that that uh, you know the Bible doesn't really give us uh, the whole story. You know, we don't get the laugh track because I have a feeling that Jesus that sometimes, you know, when Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is yeah. for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven, I think people cracked up at that. Oh yeah, you know, though it's so, so absurd. You know, we sit around dissecting. Well, let's see how how big of a needle do we have to have. You know, and whether, you know, and we're trying to figure out what he, and for Jesus, I, I mean, he's telling these, these stories that probably uh, people would howl at. Yeah. And uh, we, we don't hear that, of course, as we read the scriptures, but uh, I have, I have a pretty good idea that uh, uh, there's a, there's a precedent for this, <laughs> for what Ken does and what he does so well. Let's listen to Ken. Ken, let me, just by way of introduction, you know, he is one of the country's most sought after speakers, and he's the author or co-author of dozens of books, including his latest book, which I read uh, recently. It's good. It's called Fully Alive. It was made into a feature film. He's trained hundreds of speakers through his dynamic communicators workshops and resources. He's the founder of his own Lighten Up Ministries. He and his wife, Diane, live in Franklin, Tennessee. They have six grandchildren, so let's uh, let's listen. Here is Ken Davis speaking at the 2017 Legacy Grandparenting Summit. Oh, this is a thrill! This is a thrill. I've got a short time with you, and I want to talk to you about the legacy you can leave as a grandparent. My name is Ken Davis, and you need to know this ahead of time. I'm a 13-year-old boy trapped in a 71-year-old body. So I'm going to use the only thing that God has given me, a strange sense of humor, to present my message tonight. And the first, first idea I want to drive home, the first challenge, not idea, it is a challenge, is to leave your grandchildren with a legacy of joy. I pray every day 
that when they gather together to memorial, memorialize my life, that you will find my children and my grandchildren in a room somewhere in the home they go to to eat that horrible food, laughing until they can hardly breathe. Say, so, well, that's not a Christian thing. Yes, it is. I'm here to proclaim tonight that God is the author of joy. Well, not your laughter stuff. Yes, my laughter stuff, because this, when your feet are firmly planted on the salvation that God offers, when your grandchildren's feet are firmly planted, knowing that God loves them just the way they are, it frees them up to laugh. Someone defined humor this way, as a gentle way to acknowledge human frailty. A way of saying, I'm not okay, you're not okay, but that's okay, because God loves us anyway. I grew up believing that if it was fun, it was wrong. Anybody? Let me see your hands out there. Yeah, your bustles will wait in the balcony. God bless you. Make your way down front. No. My image of God was someone who stood up there and went, Behold, Ken Davis have his fun. No. <laughs> Give me a break. I had a chance to preach at a church the other day and the whole message was on joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's that firm foundation. But if you know he's taken care of everything, then you have the freedom to laugh at our weaknesses because we know that he will move us forward. You don't believe God is the author of joy? Think back a little bit. Whose day is Sunday? Be honest with me. How many of you at one time in your life found yourself on Sunday, God's day, with your hands around the throat of a child you love very much? <laughs> Let me see your hands. Thank you for that honesty. And you were saying something like, you get ready for church, get ready now so we can get there on time to learn about the love of Jesus. Don't help me. And on the way to church, this is true, children became demon-possessed. I had two beautiful daughters, gorgeous, model-quality daughters. I mean, they were so gorgeous. You know those little pictures of the little babies up there? Get in the back seat of the car on the way to God's house and fight over stuff that made no sense whatsoever. She's looking, came from my back seat. She's looking at me. Well, I was a best-selling author on parenting and on how kids could live with their parents. I wrote a book called How to Live with Your Parents Without Losing Your Mind. And parents from all over the world wrote and said, write one for us. So I wrote How to Live with Your Children When Your Mind is Already Gone. Because it's gone. She's looking at me. I thought, I, I will put them to shame. We're on the way to God's house. Shame is a good punishment, don't you think? She's looking at me. So I said, why don't you just poke her eyes out then? <laughs> that is the wrong answer. I look back there, one child had her hand over her face and her eyes were already out. They were rolling on the floor and the other child is going, they're still looking at me. 
How many of you, be honest, on the way to church at one time would grab the rearview mirror and give your children the Sunday morning look of love? <laughs> and then you say something that makes no sense. You want me to come back there? Let me tell you what your, what your children were thinking. Yeah, come on back, come on back. Yeah, you're doing 75 miles an hour, Dad. Come on back. Let's see what happens to the car. Well, you can't go back because you are doing 75. Why? You're late. You are late. I don't know what it's like to raise sons. I have three grandsons, so I get a little feel for it. But I only had two daughters. Took them hours to get ready. When they were teenagers, hours to get ready. And that was back in the time when they had big hair. Hey, spray it, wash it, spray it, wash it. We spent a fortune on hairspray. I went into their bathroom, my feet stuck to the floor. <laughs> Little bugs are going, help us, please, help us. Kick us loose, we'll never go to the kitchen, I promise you. <laughs> Any of you ever grab the rear view mirror and use it, change it from an, uh, a, uh, uh, a warning device to an aiming device? Tell me you've never done this. I'll come back there, you sass me. Yeah, come on, let's see what happens to the car. I'll come back there. <laughs> Lean forward a half an inch. You'll meet Jesus before we get to church. I'm telling you. God loves children so much, he gave them the innate knowledge of that one spot in the car your arm could never reach. Do you remember that? You're, you're going like this, and the child is back, you're going, strike two. I told this story one time about reaching for the children. About, oh, I'd say three weeks later, a lady wrote me a letter, and this was the contents of the letter, four page. It started out with this, and you call yourself a Christian. That letter ain't going to end good. <laughs> and she talked to me about, or she, she, she went on saying she was never going to uh, uh, buy anything that I offered for sale again. She was going to convince people never to listen to me again. She's going to call all of the radio stations that play our show and get them to cut off my show just page after page of, of this anger rolling out. And I don't know where it came from. I don't know her background, but I know what it did to me. And at the end of the last page, she said, you stood in front of all those people. And by the way, I talked to, you with this, talked to them with the same heart I'm talking with you today. But she missed the heart. She said, you stood in front of all of those people encouraging them to abuse their children. I have been an advocate for children all my life. I work to help stop trafficking. I work to feed children. I've worked to bring the gospel to children in some of the poorest countries of the world. And here's what's interesting. Hundreds of thousands of letters about all the life changes that have happened as a result of hearts being opened by humor to hear truth that could change their lives forever. And one letter that starts with, and you call yourself a children and ends like that. Guess which one I spent the most time on? I read it over and over and over and then I made a decision. I'm never telling that story again, ever. 
Several weeks later, I was in a group like this, and like a moment ago, I couldn't remember what the next story was. And that one came to my mind. Well, one more time won't hurt. I just won't read my mail after I do this. So I told the story one more time. And as I was finishing, Bob, you know this story, an elderly man got up from the back and he started toward the front with his finger going like this. We are all elderly people. I beg you, don't go toward people like this. <laughs> don't head toward your grandchildren like this because we all know that that never ends well either. He made his way up on the platform where I was talking and he said, when you were talking about swinging your arm at those children, he said, I'm gonna tell you that God taught me a lesson about that a long time ago. I don't have thick skin. My heart froze. I, I didn't know what to say, so I said, what lesson did God teach you? And that little old man got a twinkle in his eye, and he leaned forward and whispered in my ear, God taught me that a touch on the brakes brings them right into play. <laughs> The people who sponsor this event are going to send you to the Bahamas for a week. <laughs> and you can choose who you want to go with. I want to ask you who you might want to go with. The four-page letter writer or the little old guy with a twinkle in his eye. Be a grandparent with a twinkle in your eye. Leave a legacy of joy. I'm begging you also to leave a legacy of integrity. Now, that isn't the way I meant it. The way you're taking it, I think, is different than what I meant. What I meant is to allow your grandchildren to see the power of God in your life. And that isn't quite the way I think you took it. Let me tell you what I mean. Allow your grandchildren to know that perfection is not a requirement. Now some of you may be theologians. Some of you may be thinking of certain scriptures right now and you're going, yes, perfection is a requirement. No, perfection was a requirement. Jesus took care of it when he died on the cross he died for imperfect people he saved imperfect people imperfect children who became adults who became grandparents imperfect grandparents your grandchildren this world is looking for people with joy the time is long past when we can communicate the message of Christ the joy of Christ with a face that looks like we swallowed a profusely sweating toad 
We are characterized like that. Our people our age are characterized as grumpy. I've been a Christian for 27 years. And it's been great. I want to say you need to send some missionaries to your faith because your faith has not yet received the good news. Your, grand, your grandchildren, listen to me, already know that you're not perfect. They've seen the flares of temper sometimes. They've watched as you and your wife, as you and your children or whatever have conflict. They've seen that. And deep within their soul, they know that they're not right. This isn't license to just be whatever you want to be. But when you fail, nothing will empower your grandchildren more than to know that there's a forgiving God. One of the things I tried to do was be a perfect grandparent, a perfect parent. I am a perfectionist. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. It means I'm miserable most of my life. <laughs> and you know what I did? I created children who hid things from me. I created grandchildren who hid things from me. And when I began to say the words that your grandchildren need to hear, when I began to say the words, I'm sorry, I was wrong, it opened up the doors for them to understand that they could do the same thing. That forgiveness was available from somewhere. That's a life of integrity. There are no perfect people. I've told this story before. I think it was at a pastor's conference at Willow where I talked about the fact that I don't have a perfect marriage. And I don't. It got just as quiet there as, as <laughs> it is here. My wife and I have been married for 50 years. And we still argue. We still have arguments. And I'll confess to you tonight, it's getting worse. Because neither one of us can hear anymore. <laughs> we have entire arguments in our house with one word. What? <laughs> what? 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 And ladies, can I help you just one time? If you want to talk to us, don't seclude yourself in some cobweb-infested closet in the basement and call to us from there. Don't do it. It destroys marriages. Miss Nini can't say anymore. What? Miss Nini can't say anymore. I have to take a step back to the joy. Do you know one of the reasons our marriage is still intact? Because we have the ability to laugh with each other about these things. About the imperfections in our life. About the things that cause conflict in our lives. Driving home from Colorado, we have two dogs. I'm just going to say this quickly because I want to be on time. They have no value, these two dogs. Zero value. <laughs> Their value comes that God created them. And if you're mad at me, write me a four-page letter, okay? <laughs> God created them. My wife loves them. That gives them value. Beyond that, zero! <laughs> a leaf falls in Siberia. They go crazy. <laughs> A doorbell rings on television. 
Someone comes in the house, they wet on furniture. We had to drive from Colorado to Tennessee, stopped about 12 times, because you have to stop so they can take a walk. And you have to do it, otherwise they might take a walk in your car. But most of the time, all they do is take a walk and they wander around, then you put them back in. I was just going crazy. 12 hours of driving, finally we stopped at a hotel. Not a nice hotel, a hotel that would take dogs. <laughs> One of the scariest places I've ever seen. No, I'm serious. There were people, looked like they were dealing drugs outside this place. They were making uh, comments to us as we went in. When we went into the rooms, there was no security. You could lock the door with a key, by the way. Who's seen a key in a hundred years? <laughs> that means there's other keys. And there's none of those latches that keep you safe. The only security in the room was a strip of paper around the toilet lid that said, for your protection. It was written right on there. I slept with that piece of paper. Someone break into my room, I'd be going, get away, get away. I'd give you a paper cut. crashed into bed, woke up about an hour and a half later, and, and I didn't want to turn on the lights, but I, I <laughs> you, you know this, at our age, we need to take a walk three, four times during the night. <laughs> so I made my way toward the bathroom. This, this is true. From here on, I'm telling you, there's no exaggeration. In this horrible hotel, I started toward the bathroom. The hair stood up on the back of my neck. I caught a movement out of the corner of my eye. Standing in our closet was a man in his underwear. I'm serious. I lashed out at him instinctively and almost broke my fist on the mirror that is in that closet. My wife woke up and she said, what is it, what is it? I said, I've taken care of it, baby. I want to have dinner with each of my grandchildren. I want to confess to them that sometimes I have not been a good grandpa, but I love them with all of my heart, and God loves them more than me. I want to leave a legacy of integrity, not look how good I was, but look how good he is. Finally, I believe that we need to lead a legacy of faith. They need to know about God's love. We have a generation of people, young people especially, who feel left out, taking their lives at record numbers because they don't fit the image of the people around them, because they're bullied, because they look at the world and they watch the news and they wonder, what is the hope for me? We have young people who live in unbelievable privilege and wealth, whose hearts are empty. I have the privilege tonight of being on this stage and being in control, so you're gonna see some of my grandchildren. These are my three fairy granddaughters. 
I call them fairies because I'll go home tomorrow. And when they hear my voice, they still come running and wrap their skinny arms around my neck and whisper, I love you, Grandpa. Can I tell you something? I've received awards. I've spoken for presidents. I've moved in the circles of movie stars. None of it comes close to I love you, Grandpa. And none of it will come close for them than your arms and your outward expression of love to them. Now don't get gooey on me because they can be nasty little girls. <laughs> I love you, Grandpa. Then go, ew, ew, gross, Grandpa. What? What is that in your ear? What is that? <laughs> so that's a nativity scene. It's a sign of God's greatness right there. As I lose hair up here, God is supplying it out my nose and out my ear. When I lose it all, I'm going to let it grow down to here. I'm going to comb it up and around like that. Spray it and run for president. That's what Grandpa's going to do. I have two demon-possessed grandsons. They're not demon-possessed. They're boys! They stayed with us for a month. We're not going to be able to sell the house. They clean up nice. The oldest one, looking at a nativity scene, says, if I ask a question about the baby, he's brilliant. He was maybe eight at the time or nine. If I ask a question about the baby Jesus that's unusual, you know, outside of the usual box, if I ask that question and nobody has ever asked it, will you be upset with me? His father said, no. Uh, what is your question? And he said, um, when the baby Jesus grew up and he left the door open and his mom said, hey, were you born in a barn? Um, <laughs> would that be sassing? No matter what audience I speak to, no matter what their age is, I make this statement. Time is short. There's some fairly young people sitting over here. I'm telling you, if you have children, you will blink and they'll be handing you their children. And you will blink and those children will be leaving for college. This is Tyler. He doesn't look like this. I blinked. This is a prison we built for him. <laughs> and then two years ago, we were down at the beach, and I said, Tyler, can I take your picture? And he said, yes, Grandpa, and this is the picture. If the greatest joy in my life is hearing them whisper, I love you, there's one greater. I don't know when I will go to be with Jesus. I do know this, I'm gonna pull up a stool because every one of those kids is going to be with me. Every one of them. I don't care if they get to meet movie stars. I don't care if they get to be famous. I don't care if they make a lot of money. I don't want them to suffer a great deal, but I want them to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want them to know his love. Very quickly. This is Jaden. 
my princess. Jaden walked away from a campsite at about this age at 10,500 feet and disappeared into the wilderness. Storms rolling in over the mountains. Most terrifying day of my life. I will tell you quickly because I do not want to defraud you. She was rescued, but the time between when she was gone and when she was rescued was horrible. A teacher found her sitting on a rock. A rescue team had come. They lined up a mile and a half above our campsite because children don't go uphill. They go downhill. And it wasn't a campground. This is a remote campsite that we established. I hunted for her until I fell into a swampy puddle and could not move. Could not move. I couldn't take another step. I couldn't even get up. And I said, God, you can have my career. You can have my retirement. You can have my home. Wait, I have two. You can have both of them. I have an airplane. God, you can have my airplane. And finally, I opened my heart and I said with all honesty, God, you can take me. Take my life if you need to, but please bring this baby back. At about that time was when the teacher and her husband were walking through the woods two and a half miles above our campsite, a mile and a half above where the rescue team had started their search down. And they saw some colorful rags underneath the brush. The teacher went over and said, honey, are you okay? She said, my granddaughter said to her, I cannot speak with you. <laughs> she said, oh, I'm not a stranger. I'm a teacher. My name is Molly. Are you okay? And this beautiful woman said that my granddaughter leaped into her arms, sobbing, crying out over and over again, my grandpa is lost. <laughs> and in a way, she was right. I have a book we have available here tonight. And I say there, I was lost, but I was about to be found. This is a picture of the rescue. Can't describe this moment. People say, what are you saying to her? And I tell them, I'm saying, you are a bad, bad little girl. You buy that? I memorized what I was saying to her. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I was 63 years old at the time. I love you, Jane. I love you. And from somewhere, a voice echoed clearer than I had ever heard it before. And I love you. See, when we leave a legacy of joy, when we leave a legacy of integrity by confessing our sins and letting our grandchildren know that there's a God who forgives sins, when we forgive, when they make mistakes, when they sin, when they're naughty, when we do that, we open their hearts to hear this echo. And I love you. And that's the legacy of faith. Knowing Bible verses, great. Going to church, great. Understanding that the God of the universe died for them and loves them just the way they are and nothing they can do will make him love them less.
is the legacy of faith. And they'll see that more in how you worship the Savior than they will in all the words you say. What an absolute pleasure to be with you tonight. My time is up. There's a little sign flashing here that says, danger, danger, danger. <laughs> I am so grateful that you allowed me to be here. My prayer is that you will experience the powerful love of God in such a way that you leave a legacy of joy, a legacy of integrity, and a legacy of faith that will go from generation to generation to generation. That was Ken Davis uh, speaking at the 2017 Legacy Grandparenting Summit. Uh, I'm Wayne Rice. Uh, John Colomb is with me. Larry Fowler. Guys, uh, uh, what do you think? Uh, there were a lot of good laughs in that uh, in that talk, but also some really great points, too. Anything that jumps out at you? You know, I, re I remember that evening well. We were exhausted, and it was a heavy day. A lot of, uh, of the things that were shared were really heartfelt in a, in a painful way. And I think, you know, especially late at night, we were out of control. We were so ready to laugh. And I think when, when Ken came up with the humor, it took down our guard and then he planted these, these truths of the importance of joy and integrity and faith. And I just think the reception was so much greater just because we were laughing and at our humanity <laughs> And then looking in the face of Christ and knowing that how kind and gracious and patient and joyful he is. I mean, I'm we're made in his image. And if we laugh and we have sorrow, so does he. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, we talk a lot in our ministry about being an intentional Christian grandparent and wanting to be an influence on our grandkids' lives. And and frankly, I'm not sure the way that grandparents used to be was all that effective, where they uh, didn't really want to joke so much. You know, he talked about it, talked about growing up where, especially in regard to spiritual things, you just didn't ever laugh or anything. You weren't allowed to have fun hardly. Um, you know, grandkids seen and not heard, you know, those kinds of things uh, that were part of our past. And I don't think those are very effective approaches for really impacting grandkids. And I loved his line where he said, be a grandparent with a twinkle in your eye. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's just a great line. And of course we, we want uh, these podcasts to be practical. That's a good one for people to hang on to and try to live out. Yeah. 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 I always uh, <clears throat> would tell back when I was doing uh, parenting seminars, I'd always tell uh tell parents to you know when your kids enter the room the first thing they should see on your face is a smile uh yeah. that you're glad to see yeah. them that you welcome them and uh i think that's that's so part of uh of uh communicating joy you know ken said it well you know it, you know if you really believe the gospel then please you know notify your face yeah <laughs> um, in the same way you know if you yeah. love your kids and if you love your grandkids notify your face and it's uh, a way to not only just communicate joy, but it also communicates the other things that he's talking about as well. You know, the, the God's grace, God's love, um, you know, our own uh, need for forgiveness. All those things come through when we have, have a, an attitude which communicates joy. 
Yeah, and and it's in that setting that the power of God is seen in our life, even in our weakness, even in our times where we're down. Maybe we've gotten bad news about medical stuff. But joy, I mean, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, it's one of the best medications out there, and it's it's available. You don't have to have a prescription to get it. It's free. <laughs> well, I'll tell yeah, you what. Go ahead, Wayne. No, I was going to say one of one one of my you know fears. I think when I was younger is uh, that that somehow I was going to end up being a grumpy old man. You know the, um, and so I I think part of being an intentional Christian grandparent is to be intentional about not being a grumpy old grandparent, <laughs> and then instead we communicate joy. Yeah. In all circumstances. Yeah, that's a great reminder to me. And before we started this podcast, Wayne, I was telling you, boy, I got way too much exercise over the weekend. and I was really tired. And I tell you what, when you get physically tired, it's very easy to get grumpy, isn't it? Yeah. And that's it's those times when when we're either physically tired or mentally or emotionally tired that we have to kind of be on our guard to make sure that we still reflect the joy of the Lord. Yeah, you know, and and I don't think Ken Davis would mind me saying so, but uh, I've not, I've known Ken for a long time personally, and it was maybe 15 years ago or so. Ken went through a really difficult time of depression, mm-hmm. and uh, he was being robbed of his joy. And part of his book, Fully Alive, uh, really chronicles uh, how he dealt with that, how he he was intentional about dealing with something which he knew was not um, permanent. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't going to take him down. It it was something that he could deal with and deal with it in a very positive and constructive way. And he got the help that he needed as well. And it could be that, you know, there are people who are listening to this podcast who in the same way, you know, just need help when it comes to, um, our attitudes mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the way we, you know, our outlook on life. Mm-hmm. You know, when he talked about the second point, um, t- integrity, he started by saying, what you're thinking I'm going to talk about is not what I'm going to talk about or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. I probably don't have the words quite right, but yeah, he surprised me because we normally think of of integrity as um uh, you know, honesty, godliness, and so mm-hmm. forth. But he was really talking about being real. Yeah. You know, he yeah. made the statement, perfection is not a requirement. And and integrity is not being one thing one time and another thing another time. And I, that, that's a great point. And when you combine integrity with joy, those are two powerful things to influence grandkids. Yeah. Well, Ken is going to be back with us uh, this fall. He'll be at the uh, 2021 Legacy Grandparenting Summit happening in October, live in Birmingham, Alabama, and live-streamed all over the country. And uh, so uh, we just want to invite uh, everybody to to join us for the uh, Summit Conference. You'll not only hear from Ken Davis, but also John Stone Street, Kevin Harper, Reggie Joyner, Kara Powell, Valerie Bell, Rob Reno, plus music by uh, Fernando Ortega, Scott Wesley Brown, the Isaacs. All the information is on the uh, LegacyCoalition.com website. 
And you can register today for the conference in Birmingham or at a simulcast location near you. So we hope uh, everybody's going to be with us for it's it's looking like it's going to be a great conference. Larry, uh, before we sign off, any other Legacy Coalition news that uh, we ought to Well, let me just add, add to what you just said. So if somebody's listening to this and they look at the map and they say, well, there's not a church near me, we'll keep watching because here we are, we're approaching the beginning of summer and we still have a lot of churches that are interested in being simulcast sites. Sometimes the wheels move a little slower in churches and making that decision. So they're still signing up. So keep checking. There might be a site that's coming really close to you. Or if you think that your church might uh, be willing to be a simulcast site, there's still time. If you're listening to this before July 1st of 2021, there's still time for you to get your church involved as a simulcast site. Cool. Well, that wraps up Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. Until next time, this is Wayne Rice, Larry Fowler, and John Colomb saying so long and praying that you have a great week of intentional Christian grandparenting.